0: I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... Talk about DC as being just a hub of creativity and culture. Like, let's look at go-go music. Let's look at the incredible artists who who are from here. Everyone from Marvin Gaye to Goldie Hawn is from the area.
1: Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I am your host, Mark Walsh. Today, our guest is Tommy McFly. He has been called DC's version of Ryan Seacrest. And you know what? He delivers. A couple of interesting gigs he's had. He was the MC of the White House Easter Egg Roll for the Obamas, the only MC ever for that event. And he still holds that title. It's an incredible story. But perhaps most importantly during our time together, you will realize that Washington, DC is not a boring town. Sure, it's painted that way sometimes in the media, but with people like Tommy running around covering it, it is one hop in place. Here's our conversation. Tommy is literally a brand here in Washington, D.C. I think if you go to his various web presences and or just Google Tommy McFly, you'll see that not too many facets of living in Washington, D.C. are not touched by his efforts, his energy, and his presence. So, Tommy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. That's such a nice introduction.
0: I made it up on the fly. Thank you. So well, there you go, McFly. W- what's working in Washington? I'm assuming you don't have a lot of guests from Metro. Bingo. Hey, I'll be, hey, here, all be here all week. Here all
1: week. to be
0: I wrote that t- one on the way over. How would
1: t- t- I do? T- <laughs> very, very good. Um, no, I, there, there's a, m- a, a, a many versions of that joke. Usually, mm. the people when I tell them that I'm hosting the show, they say, "Oh, it's like two minutes long." <laughs> but the Metro thing. Now, let's actually let's start there. Are you a Metro person? Do you use it a lot? I. I am not
0: um, okay. because I, with what I do with, well, like yes, in the, in the, around the city for yeah. when pre-COVID times, totally yes. to get like from downtown to DuPont or, yeah. you know, up anywhere on Connecticut Avenue or across the river quickly. Yes. Um, that was the mode of transportation when traffic was snarled. But a lot of what I do with work with the podcast with Kelly, with NBC4, I'm all around the region. So yeah. like having my car not being, tied to a metro schedule is really important.
1: Okay, so did you ever live in New York or ever use the New York system a lot? No. Okay. Scranton and then here, that was it. Scranton to D.C., forget those other big cities. That's right. But here's why I bring it up. I lived in Manhattan for many, many years, and I tell people that are really, really angry at the metro. I go, you know what? Go go to the New York City subway station at 10 p.m. versus here at 10 p.m. You know, other than the ability to step on syringes multiple times and buy drugs <laughs> and, see, and see automatic weapons fire, which you can see at almost any New York City stop, this is like nirvana compared to some of the other systems. So it's all relative. That being said, yes, you and I have had experiences, I'm sure, where we stand a, on a platform for a large, a long period of time going, what the hell is going on? But enough of that. And, and look, I mean, it, it, it's like air travel too, right? Yes. Like we are –
0: Tens and tens of feet below ground, zooming through tunnels. Yeah, same yes. with like airplanes. Like you can tell me to show up at an airport forty-eight hours ahead of time, yeah. and I'm like, sure,
1: whatever. You're putting me in a tube
0: through the air. Sounds yes. great.
1: Whatever you need. I was I flew in from Palm Beach this morning, believe it ah, or not. Perfect yeah, on an, on a Southwest flight, which is not really an airplane. It's really a bus. <laughs> I'm so, I'm convinced soon they're going to have the straps in the Southwest. Don't you think? <laughs> Some see, point, see? maybe. Okay, so Scranton, mm-hmm. born and raised. When did you move from Scranton to D.C.?
0: When I was 20. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer, and things went very, very differently. Ah. I started my career in radio at the hometown station, Froggy 101, at 15, and then at 20, I was the co-host of The Morning Show Wow! with the guy that I grew up listening to, Doc Medic, who's the guy who taught me everything about being on radio. I came to D.C. at 20 to be a morning show producer. Then I got my own night night show on uh, Mix 107.3, rest in peace. And then I um, went over to ninety four seven Fresh FM. Also, rest in peace. Wow. The, I, I, I promise it's not me. Yeah, you're like Jonah. <laughs> um, and uh, and and from there, um, have have worked on TV. I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of incredible organizations, and it's been a wild ride here in DC.
1: So, what are some of the things about radio back when you were doing it, which isn't that long ago, that you think are really they're kind of gone today or different today? I mean. Did, did personalities matter back then more than they do today on te- on radio? They do matter, and I think they still matter. Okay. So, you know,
0: in this building that we're in right now with WTOP, you've got, I wouldn't necessarily call them personalities, but trusted voices like Hillary Howard and Sean Anderson. You right. know, like they're people that people have such a relationship with. Elliot in the Morning. Yep. Um, Donnie Simpson. You know, those voices, those iconic radio DC voices are still really relevant and really powerful there's just not as many of them as there used to be. Yeah. And that's, I think, a problem and a real disservice to the local
1: community. So, satellite radio, XM, Sirius, do you think they've been good or bad for the overall medium? Uh, I think they've been not great. I, mean, yeah. it's funny. I remember on New York Avenue, and, and actually,
0: rest in peace, Dave Thomas Circle, yeah. um, the XM building was down there, and yep. they had a sign that said, one million listeners nationwide. Yeah. Well, in the, the heyday of a morning radio show in D.C., you have a million listeners here. Yeah. Um, I think now they have made audio and listening, more of a celebrity-focused thing, right? Yep. I think podcasts do the same thing. Yeah. I think it's really exciting for the audio medium, which is really great, but I don't know that it's great for, like, over-the-air radio.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure, and I, I used to have a show on on XM back in the day, and they would have um, personalities aimed at, like, decades. Mm-hmm. So they'd have some guy who knew, like, 70s, you know, yeah. big, big-time 70s guy. And I, I used to walk by and go, If I were that guy, I'd shoot myself. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I hate to be so crass, but but getting nailed like that into it and not not staying fresh, fresh whatever, fresh ninety one. What was it? Whatever. Yeah, it was a great time. No, actually, I just I
0: recently came back to that point, and I had like one of those like diarrhea of the fingers on Facebook, but I'm like, I I, when the Fresh Show went away, I didn't say the word fresh for two years. My co-host Kelly and I were like so angry, and we started our our real fun DC. broadcast and our broadcast app and the Tommy and Kelly show we we wanted so hard to keep it moving that we never had appreciation and looked back and it was the people who listened to us and the moments that we shared that I think we didn't spend enough time in gratitude on yeah you know we were moving forward and trying to bring our audience with us and like trying to survive and pay the rent and all of that stuff but um I'm just newly to the point of like Saying the f fra- saying the f word again.
1: Yeah, the f word. <laughs> We're talking with Tommy McFly, a DC brand and a person who uh, I think is perfect to have on the show. What's working in Washington because he seems to work everywhere. WRC. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you do with those guys. So NBC
0: Four, I have um, I'm the correspondent for a franchise called The Scene, which I need to give credit to our digital team because they started the Scene as a digital property. Just telling people the best things and places and activities to do and go and be a part of around the region. Wow. And it took off so much on digital that they brought it to TV. And at that point, I had worked um, I had worked at Channel 7, I worked at Channel 9, and then I've always wanted to be at Channel 4. I was a guest with Barbara Harrison um, on Midday 10 years ago, talking about, like, Entertainment Hollywood stuff. And I've always wanted to like for more than 10 years work at Channel Four. So I feel like the puppy that got adopted when yeah. I every time I every time my key card works there, I'm like, hi, ah, I hit the jackpot. And so um I'm the correspondent for the scene franchise. And so we are constantly looking for and telling the stories of people, of things, of activities that are much like you, working in Washington. And what has what sort of been interesting for me, and I've I haven't really said this before, but over the last year and change of what's happened in in D.C. and in our country, there's a lot to be said about coming together. There's a lot to be said about people finding common ground on things that aren't political, that aren't business related, that aren't so charged. Yeah. And so I don't th- I just want to just follow me, Mark. I okay. don't think I'm saving democracy. No, by any means. I want to be clear about that. I was I'm glad you cleared that up. But I, I do think that. There was a book that I read by um, Tom Nichols who talks about like our own worst enemy and how democracies fail. And I am, again, not saving democracy, but I do think that, and he brings this up in the book, that good people can be bad citizens. Yeah. And the way you have good citizens is you bring people together and you find community. So I think now, and this is sort of what I look through my lens of choosing stories and choosing people and places and events to highlight, is what can bring everyone together for no other reason than that awesome thing happening in your neighborhood. Yeah. And that's sort of what we do.
1: You're saving democracy.
0: Let's no, just, I'm let's not. Just dump, I told you I wasn't. It. Come
1: on. I I'm, told you. you I wasn't saving no, democracy. But, I, I, but I'm changing the narrative. You are saving democracy. <laughs> let's let's talk about stuff like the scene. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, again, I live in Manhattan, and, and and I I think there's a TMZ-ization of a lot of observation of, of Metro scenes. That you're looking for the dirt, you're looking for the who's, you know, who's sleeping with who, who's busting up a marriage, who's in this... It seems like DC has sort of avoided that. Is that because we're kind of a boring city and there's not enough of that stuff going here? Or it's all in the political realm and po- politicians, co- the coverage of politics discovers all that scum?
0: Yeah, I think there's just so much chaos in this town yeah. that like sex isn't even like hit the first three pages of importance.
1: <laughs> are you kidding
0: me? My goodness, like, you sleeping with who, who cares? We like, got yeah. yeah, 19 other things to worry about right now. Right, charging the capital. Um, yeah. I don't know, well, yeah, also that. Um, I don't know, though. I, I feel like Politico tried at one point. I'm so old; I can start talking about things that used to work. Yeah. Um, Politico had a thing at one point called Click, which was going to be like the TMZ of politics. I didn't know that. And it didn't really like people were like, "Okay, great. Like yeah. this senator is doing this in their personal time. Like they're a bad tipper. Okay, well uh, they're also a monster on the hill. So yeah. like we don't care about that thing." Yeah. I, and I think that <laughs> if if there was those sort of of outlets and those sort of things being published here, I feel like it helps to just continue that narrative that DC is the swamp. Yeah, which it's not.
1: On that point, um uh people when I travel around the US say, "Oh, you live in DC, it's a boring, you know, it's a company town." Mm-hmm. It is a company town to some extent, but it's not at all as boring as people perceive it from outside DC. No. What, what are some of the what are some of the myths of DC social life that you think the rest of the, the nation should know? Or oh at least my gosh. Or shatter?
0: There there are, there are so many, right? Like, talk about DC as being just a hub of creativity and culture. Like, let's look at go-go music. Let's look at the incredible artists who, who are from here. Everyone from Marvin Gaye to Goldie Hawn is from the area. Wow. You know, you've got those incredible— Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. You've yeah. got those incredible luminaries who are, are from this area who just bring and speak to the culture. You know, I, I actually got to spend some time uh, with Virginia Ali of Ben's Chili Bowl. I was Sweet. working on a project, the most random thing. I'm working on a project with Reagan Airport— and I interviewed her at the Ben's Chili Bowl at Reagan, In Reagan yeah. which yeah. is like the not the place I think I'd spend extended time with Virginia Ollie, no. But I was like, I'm doing it. Let's go. Yeah. And the stories that she tells, like she told me a story about how like Dr. King used to love the, <laughs> the hash smoke. No, the bacon cheese or the, the, the chili cheeseburger from <laughs> Ben's. And I was like, well, okay. you know, you've got just this like. History and culture—that's that—that's such an interesting thing that we need to be talking about. Um, I heard on your show, Mark Ion said, like the internet was invented in Northern Virginia. It was like that. We'll claim that as DC too. Yeah, you know, there's so many things about this area that are so interesting and so exciting. And there's a fashion scene. There's a music scene. There's a movie scene. I believe one of like the top five markets for for ma- motion picture filming is Washington. You got those things going on here. And so people who just think that DC is politics. They're not wrong for thinking that because that's all that they've been shown. Yeah. So I think that people and and the region needs to do a better job of, of talking about who and what we really are. We have... Georgetown cupcakes, what more of an export do we need? Sign me up. Totally. Let's go get sugared up. Because a all lot right, of so- people who think D.C. is probably what they read on Facebook are probably also TLC Cupcake Show fans. So I feel like we need to educate people more about all the great stuff we have here.
1: Not to lay blame, but who mm-hmm. is to blame? You think the media just doesn't do a job in, in telling our story, or, or the national media is too easily shoves us into a box of, oh, that's the bunch of government people up in the Hill?
0: No, I, I think the national media is so charged with the really important work of keeping the Hill and the executive branch and the judicial branch, honest, Got it. and and unearthing that sort of work, that there hasn't been a TMZ here, and there hasn't been like an Entertainment Tonight here, yeah. sort of thing. But then when like the places that like tell more national cultural stories come here, they treat DC like they've landed on Mars. Yes, you know they're looking for the Sephora on the National Mall, and you're like, that's not a thing. There's no shops in the National Mall. <laughs> but but thanks for doing your research.
1: <laughs> Sephora. So four in the National Mall, good one. I'm going to remember that one. I'm actually know, I, I'm not going to tell you who, but I just interviewed somebody
0: recently. And I had to explain them that the National Mall does not have shops. Yeah, that was a yeah.
1: That's 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 bad. That's bad research. <laughs> so WRC and it's called the it's the called scene. the scene. Yeah. yeah, and is it weekly? What what's the background? of It's it's constant. It's, is it?
0: um, I'm on TV almost every day now, um, which God, is absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's just like the the other day I was out at this new um, holiday lights extravaganza that is in Morven Park in Leesburg. Okay. And I'm on the air and Chopper 4 is over over top showing that there's a million LED lights and I'm live talking to Doreen Gensler. Yeah. And I had this moment of like what in the world is going on? Yeah. Like if I had talked to the 20-year-old kid who moved here yes. that that would that I would be able to be like hey let's go to the chopper above yeah. us Doreen back to you. Yeah. I would never believe myself. I came to town thinking I'd be here for like 2 years and I would go on to my like radio, you know, journey into the next town. I fell in love with this city, and it's
1: my hometown now. So, how do you manage your career? Do you have an agent? No, I had an agent, <laughs> and not anymore. Uh, can we go there? What, yeah, what, totally. what, just, just the person didn't do their job. He just or... wasn't
0: good at getting me work.
1: I hate when that happens. <laughs> so
0: that, yeah, that was yeah.
1: Pretty short story. <laughs> so, but you you generate your own your own mm-hmm. brand. You generate your own relationships, your own platforms. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I it was it was by accident. I showed up in this town in 2006 with the values and with the work ethic. And with you know just the perspective on life that I learned from my upbringing in Scranton, and I came to D.C. and I kept doing the same thing. And I've just been nice. I've shown up, and I've been curious. It's and Tommy that's...
1: McFly. He's saving democracy right here in Washington D.C. <laughs> Those are your words. I know. We're gonna we're gonna take a break uh, when we come back. Tommy's gonna talk to us about the fact that he was the MC at a White House event and is still the only person to have done that job. What's working in Washington? Stay tuned. week on What's Working in Washington. We talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how business in the region is keeping us competitive. If you are a D.C. insider and want to know what leaders in other industries are talking about, we give you that insight. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. We want perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. You can reach out through our website or through Twitter. And we love bringing those new voices to our audience. We look forward to hearing from you. It's what's working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. We're excited again to have Tommy McFly with us here in the show. Tommy has been called DC's Ryan Seacrest. I've certainly been called worse. I was going to say, in, in <laughs> the in, in panoply of things you might get labeled, that's a pretty good one. You probably totally. wish, probably wish you had one tenth of his annual income. I'm not getting residuals off the Kardashians, but uh, yes, I have a lot of jobs. Someday you will. DC's Ryan Seacrest, mainly because it seems like you literally are everywhere. So let's, like Thank you. We, we talked about TV, we talked about some of the hosting stuff. Let's talk TV again. Mm-hmm. Doreen Gensler, I know, is you do a lot of stuff when she's anchoring. My goodness.
0: Doreen Gensler on NBC4. She's great. Like, she is the GOAT, man. The greatest of all time. She's amazing. Got it. And
1: she pays attention to your pieces. Well, yeah, I mean, she has to sit there. It's part of her job. She's a watchman. She
0: sits around the desk. Still, But she's so amazing. And what's really cool is... The, the newsroom at NBC four and I'm not just saying that because I worked there, but i I've wanted to work there for ten years. there's nothing else like it the supportive atmosphere, just the love and just the the standard of excellence, but just the camaraderie and the family and yeah. Doreen sets that tone like as as like the queen of of DC media she just sets that that tone and she's incredible.
1: Well also you remember you're in the same studio where the Kennedy Nixon debate was absolutely. The history is incredible in that building and the first Kermit the Frog was there too. Don't go there. My dad hired <laughs> Kermit the Frog for the first. My dad's ad agency in Baltimore gave Jim Henson, gave Jim, Jim Henson. Henson, who was then unmarried, yeah, he and his girlfriend, who was a student at the University of Maryland, a job for a Green Frog, pre it being named Kermit. Oh wow! There you go, babe. Look at that. Okay, let's let's talk about other types of hosting you're doing. You do a special event or have when it was happening at the White House. Tell us how you got the gig and what it is. Yes, so I was uh, the
0: first MC of the White House Easter Egg Roll. Wow. Comma in American history. So I'm waiting for the Smithsonian to call me for my effects any day now.
1: What did you wear for your first time? That's um, special. Yeah.
0: Like, a, like a pink plaid easter situation. It was the honor of a lifetime. But what do you
1: announce? Like, it's rolling? Or the kids are looking? Or what, what, what do you say? Well, so what was really cool, in the Obama
0: administration, they made the White House Easter Egg Roll like Kitty Lollapalooza. Like, they yeah. actually had the company that produced Lollapalooza produce the White House Easter Egg Roll. Perfect. So there was a music stage. There was a reading stage. There was a food stage. There was a yoga Magic. garden. There yeah. was like 78 things going on. And so the second year in, they brought me in as an MC to kind of be... Like, the ringmaster to explain to parents what was going on, to keep excitement, to, like, keep the flow of people going. And it was absolutely wild. Like, 3 in the morning, we're on the South Lawn of the White House wow. until, like, 9 p.m. that night. 35,000 people each time came through the the White House lawn. It Love was it. just, it, it, it was the largest public-facing event that the White House does all year long.
1: And you did it multiple times. I did it for
0: six years, which was awesome.
1: Wow. And then, magically, the event seemed to disappear. I don't know what happened. What happened? You know why somebody didn't save democracy? That's what happened. I, I'm not and, saving democracy. Well, we're going to make sure you do by the end of this darn
0: show. I, I do think that the Biden administration is planning on bringing it back I can't once Im- things are safe and well,
1: all the COVID things are possible. Yeah, a nice Granton boy like him, he's got he's got to do something right for America. That's right, exactly. Yeah, this Granton link. Um, but that must have been the exposure to that kind of event and the White House infrastructure that does all that must have been pretty impressive.
0: It was absolutely insane. Yeah. I got a phone call on my cell phone. Um, that just said two oh two. Yeah. And I answered it and it was like, Hey, this is the this is you know, Ellie Schaefer who runs the visitor's office at the White House. Would you be free to would you be interested in doing the White House Easter egg role as the first MC in American history? And I yeah. was like, Yes. Yeah. And she was like, I didn't tell you what day it was. I was like, I'm free that day. Yeah. Whatever it is, I like, was I'm gonna there. have surgery, but it's okay. I'm <laughs> totally, it. absolutely. And so that was that was absolutely incredible to do.
1: Yeah. And was the first lady active during the day on the lawn? I, I sort of forget what they do. They were they were really into it, weren't they?
0: Yeah, they they really were, which was cool. So normally the president and the first family will come out and like do the egg roll, yeah. the ceremonial roll at like ten o'clock. Yeah. But she and also Sasha and Malia were very young at the time, so a lot of the talent that were there, they were excited about. Like Willow Smith performed, and you know you have these great bands um, that were there performing as well. So the girls wanted to see him, and so like. Either Mrs. Robinson, their grandma, or yep. Mrs. Obama would bring them out or they would come out with their own secret service and wow. their friends. So it was really cool to see like the family having family time in the midst of thirty five thousand, you know, people.
1: So your other hosting hosting duties obviously got affected by COVID in March of 2020.
0: Yes, I did so many virtual events. <laughs> you're you're Mr. Zoomerific. I'll tell you, yeah. But what was cool was because Kelly Collis, my radio partner, and I, um, we started our like digital journey about a year and a half ahead of everyone else. Wow! So we were able to help organizations like the USO and others, you know, to to do that the virtual thing in as as less stagnant as a way if possible.
1: Yeah. Have you seen best practices sort of pop up and how people act on the virtual arenas?
0: No, it's a wild west, and it changes it every three days. And there's a new platform, or there's a new this, or there's a new yeah, that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, I do a lot of corporate zooms, mm-hmm. you know, for meetings and stuff. And uh, we just started doing real back and forth, actual face to face meetings because of boosters and all that stuff. And I, what I miss is the red leave button at the bottom right of a conversation. <laughs> I think we should actually walk around with one of those, like a like like a Halloween costume. A little leave, you could push it, and that means you have to walk away.
0: If you had that in a conference room, I imagine it's like a giant red, like a wooga button yeah. that someone just gets to like spike, yeah. and exactly. then
1: we're done. Everyone leaves somewhere. So you were also uh, you hosted uh, Best Buddies. Yes, Ted Leonsis, who was my former colleague at AOL, with I guess one of the Kennedys, right, uh, the Shrivers started that originally, and it's grown to be a tremendous organization. What was your your role?
0: So I am currently the chairman of Virginia and DC programs. Got it. For Best Buddies, Um, it's a volunteer role that I am on year nine of my two-year term. Yeah, Um, I'm not like you know getting into like Putin territory. That I'm like I will always be the chairman. (laughs) I'm really trying to find someone to replace me. Um, But Best Buddies is especially Special Olympics off the field. So we help people with intellectual disabilities find friendship in school, find jobs later in life, and then we're there just as a as a friend. Throughout throughout their lives, which is incredible.
1: Are the Shrivers still involved? Um so Anthony Shriver is still
0: our CEO and chairman. Yeah. Um it's interesting because that family's so wild, right? You've got like Anthony Shriver who does Best Buddies, you got Mark who does Special Olympics, yep. you got Tim who does Save the Children, and yeah. you got Maria who is an incredible broadcaster and, and in her own way shines light on so many great organizations.
1: Slackers. They're just totally. I know those slouches, yeah. those shrivers. So you but you hosted the most recent one mm-hmm. or the one pre-COVID or yeah. what? Yeah, um
0: so it was just actually after COVID. We have a long relationship with um With uh, the Reagan building, Trade Center Management Associates. And so uh, the idea of having a Best Buddies prom was something that I came up with with uh, an incredible prom committee about six years ago. And we raised a million dollars in five years for Best Buddies prom. And what was really cool was it was a parallel party, so different than all of the like big DC hi ha galas that we all know about. This was a party for a thousand students in the atrium of the Reagan building. And then like 700 adults were in the like, give me your money, silent auction, cocktail party. And it was just this wild event that was like nothing else. And these students, we set out to make Best Buddies Prom the coolest moment of high school of the year. I think we were almost there. It was just incredible because we wanted it to be a way that people who were not, who did not have disabilities, our peer buddies, to get more excited about joining Best Buddies because of the prom, because of the walk, because of all the awesome stuff that we do.
1: So they still match a buddy with... An outsider who is their mentor, or their friend, or whatever? Yes. So what, you've got what's, a, what's
0: a typical relationship it sets up. So you've got a best buddy who has a disability, and you've got a peer buddy who doesn't. And uh, they're matched to one on one friendships now in Virginia and DC in elementary school, middle school, high school, college. And then we have adult friendships as well that are happening after school. Yeah. and then we also have a jobs program which is so incredible because we're finding like really true jobs for people with disabilities at places like Accenture and Holland and Knight Love it. Um, the Nats the Wizards yeah. uh, at Trade Center Management Associates at preschools all over the place these really like incredible careers we're helping people will get and now there's a Best Buddies Living program at our brand new apartment building um, in Union Market and we've got an ambassadors program. There's an
1: apartment building in Union Market?
0: Yes, yeah, so it, it so it, it's a part of an apartment building where we have um, a number of units in this brand new amazing apartment building but it's people with disabilities living on their own and, cool. and in, in in Best Buddies Living it's a pilot program actually in D.C. Wow. Because Best Buddies started in Georgetown so Anthony Shriver started Best Buddies at Georgetown University yes. 26 years ago which is probably when Ted Leonsis and, and yes. everyone got involved yes. and Ted is still on our internet National board. He's actually the reason that I joined the board of Best Buddies in D.C. because when I was 24 and they asked me to join the board, I was like, I've never been asked to join a board before. Yeah. But Ted Leonsis is on board, so that seems like the right thing to Sign do. Sign me up. Totally. Yeah. And I, I fell in love with the organization originally because our peer buddies, people without disabilities yeah. in high schools, to join an organization like Best Buddies, these students are way more confident and way more cool than I ever was. Right. In high school, I'm not saying like I was like a jerk face, but I, I would never have done that. Yeah. I just wouldn't have done that, and so I wanted to make it if I could in my own little way. And I was much cooler years ago. If I was able to make it a little bit cooler for kids to get involved in Best Buddies.
1: So we're gonna have to wrap up in a second, but let's do a little bit of bragging. You were the MC and about to you were supposed to announce an award.
0: <laughs> yeah. So quickly what happened? So I was supposed to announce uh, the Diane Brown Award. Diane Brown was an amazing executive for um Tiffany and Company who who passed recently. Yep. And so we named an award after her and after her legacy of friendship and lifetime of friendship. And so um, my executive director, uh, Molly Whalen, was like, We're just gonna announce the award this year. We're gonna give it away next year, but just like go ahead and announce it. And I was like, Okay, great. We're going up to this event. And as a host, I left a four minute hole in the program. Yeah. I was like, Yeah, this sounds great. Like, whatever. So as I'm like, Let's announce the award, the guy from Tiffany comes up. They all come up. Also, like, my parents came to the event and a bunch of friends. Like, my husband got a table. I'm like, yeah. Am I dying? Like, what's happening yeah. here? Like, why is my whole life here? What's What's happening? And they surprised me with the very first Aww. Diane Brown Lifetime of Friendship Come Award. Come on! I cried. Yeah, I was. Of course. It, I, it does like I, I I pride myself on like knowing the run of a program inside and out, and I totally left a hole. Giant and I was, opening. Completely Nothing to say. surprised.
1: Did you fill it with four and four minutes of reflections on your life at Scranton and how you're saving democracy? Well, you could um, have. I, I could have, but yeah. I'm not saving democracy. All right, Tommy McFly, you are not saving democracy, but you are a fantastic guest. But let me ask you the final couple of questions we yes. ask everybody in the show. If you were in charge of the world for a period of time, let's say a day, what's what's one thing you would change or one thing you would add? One thing I would change or one thing I would add? The world?
0: Wherever you want, the city, this studio. It's up to you. I would love to see a governor and a couple senators and a voting member of uh, Congress in the nation's capital. You mean D.C. statehood.
1: I'm saying the Douglas Commonwealth has a great ring to it. 51. That's the number, baby. 51 states. So what would you like to not see if you could wave a magic wand? Oh, my gosh. I would
0: like to not see active members of Congress who have raised money, who have constituents they should be serving, spending their time as Internet trolls.
1: Well said. Well said. Wow. Wow. So Tommy McFly, once again, you leave no hole in this entire show. (laughs) There's no four minute gap. I learned my lesson last time. You (laughs) did learn your lesson. That's Tommy McFly. Tommy McFly is a true brand in Washington, DC, an advocate for our nation, an advocate for our city, in some ways our nation. I'll take it. Yeah, you will take it. And somebody you should Google right now and learn more about and see him on WRC TV, amongst other places. Tommy, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. What's Working in Washington is brought to you by a very talented team. We have our executive producer and editor, Tracy Madigan. Assistant producer is Anna DeGraff. And the theme music you enjoy is performed by The Sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.